Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, April 6th, 5.32 a.m. Central Time. Matt Bennett, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Thank you for joining me uh, bright and early. We've got a three-day weekend coming up. Uh, Happy Easter in advance. Yeah, absolutely. Happy Easter to you, buddy. I want to start off with some U.S. uh, weather type stuff here this morning. Hang on, I get my slides running. Um, So we had a bunch of snow up north, right? And uh, here's the totals uh, running through yesterday morning. So these are not totally updated. This orange stuff here is like maybe eight inches up to 12 inches. Uh, Some southwestern parts of, say, South Dakota got really hammered. These might be up to 20 inches, parts of Wyoming, with similar amounts. Uh, What are you hearing from farmers out of these areas? You know, the thing is, is that uh, some of those areas don't have as much production. I think uh, you get far west uh, South Dakota. Some of it isn't as uh, as much. But I mean, what I've heard, like with some of these guys in North Dakota, is that uh, and in uh, central uh, northern South Dakota, it's going to be a long freaking time. And yeah. so, you know, some of the forecasts are starting to get a little warmer. But the problem is, you know, I mean, you don't want it to warm up super fast in that part of the world. You're just going to have an absolute disaster area. So, you know, uh, they've got snow cover. Uh, I think they're a long ways from being able to get done what they want to get done. So I don't know. I I still think it's going to have a big impact on the spring. Yeah. So your snow depths as of this morning, and and these are always bad maps, uh, observed uh, or past weather data is always really tough to come by. But I mean, there's there's a lot of areas with two feet of snow on the ground. And I think a lot of areas actually with quite a bit more than that. Uh, When you look at the forecast, so we're going to see this warm up next week and it's going to be a drastic warm up in some areas. You look at the southern half of Minnesota, by Tuesday, they're going to be in the mid 50s at, at a minimum. Some areas maybe even into the 70s. Uh, South Dakota is going to be at least into the 40s. Uh, North Dakota into the low 40s at least. So this warm up uh, is going to start next week. And that's going to kind of be the trend for the whole Corn Belt as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to be interesting, especially in that part of the world. And, you know, you get farther, for instance, downriver, and you went from last fall uh, not having enough uh, water to float a barge down the river, and now you're flood stage in part yeah. of the river uh, systems. You get this uh, to melt off too quickly, and you're going to have flooding issues. And so uh, it completely changes the whole dynamic there. But, uh, yeah, absolutely, a fast warm-up isn't exactly what they want. But, I mean, they certainly need to get rid of the snow cover. One thing I've heard from a lot of folks is they don't have much, uh, uh, you know, there's really not much frost in the ground. And so uh, that's kind of an interesting concept that it's not frozen deep by any means. So, you know, if this uh, ground finally gets some sun, I think you've got a chance at uh, warming up, but it's going to take a long time. I have seen it uh, written and said that the forecast is actually bearish corn and soybean prices uh, moving forward because you look at the next seven days here, and this actually goes out more like 10 days where the vast majority of the corn belt is going to be really dry. Uh, you've got this warming trend coming that's not going to fix your problems up north. But do you, do you buy into the idea that this is a bearish forecast? Here's how I see it. You know, let's say next Monday, I think it's going to be pretty fashionable in the I states uh, if it's warm enough. Uh, you know, for folks to be running, you're right after Easter. Um, you know, you've got a really good window. Uh, I guess if you really run planners in earnest in in the heart of the Corn Belt next week, I think that it's going to be 
hard pressed for the corn market to rally. Uh, now, is it super bearish? I don't know. I think the the in the grand scheme of things, Joe, I, I, what I where I want to hang my hat as far as whether it's bullish or bearish long term is how many total acres you're going to get planted. And so, right. if you still end up with a fair amount of prevent plant, you know, you could have the I states uh, hit a home run. But if you've got 88 or 89 million acres still, you know, uh, they they need to hit a home run. So. I guess uh, it's a little too early for me, but as far as the short term, I do think uh, the way this forecast looks, you're going to see some pressure on the corn market. If you guys are watching on YouTube and you're in some of these areas, and I know I've been asking you every day this week, but if you're farming in South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, where we caught uh, you caught this snow this week, uh, drop in the comments what you're thinking in regard to prevent plant in your neighborhood. Is there going to be a ton of it? Is it too early to tell? Uh, let us know what you think. We've got a crop report next week. Feels like we just had one, although I, I guess we just did. Uh, this is the April crop production in WASD report. It'll be out Tuesday morning. I guess we're looking on the U.S. side, probably at the demand side of the balance sheets. Uh, we're also looking at Argentina. You're going to see lower corn and soybean production numbers there. Do you expect anything out of this report? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it's handled. I mean, I don't know if I expect anything in the way of major surprises, but you've got to think yeah. with, um, you know, the quarterly stocks numbers being off uh, 50 plus for both corn and beans that you would see uh, a fair amount of revision. Now, uh, as far as our individual numbers, ag market went with like, uh, I believe we we cut uh, carry out 25 million bushels. So, you know, we're down there at what, 13, 17. Are you I taking it off feed demand or you don't? Uh, feed and residual, yeah, you know, okay. uh, we we're well aware that they could do something with exports somewhere in here. And I think that, uh, you know, ultimately may might be a better time to know, like what's the whole month of April look like, obviously yeah. export sales on the surprise front have been awfully good in the mornings of the last three weeks, this week's a little slower. And I think that's part of the reason the corn market's been blase, if you will. But I, I got to think that soybeans are under 200, um, I think most people kind of expect that, though, so I don't see any big surprise. How, how aggressive they will print, they Do you be? think they print south of 200, or do you think that's just what we're trading? I think we're trading yeah, south I think south we're trading south of 200, and I could see a 195. I mean, we debated this for a while, and quite frankly, yeah. why? Who cares? I mean, it doesn't really right. matter. We all know it's tight. Uh, but, you know, we're just trying to dial it in. But I think we're 194, 195, uh, mm -hmm. just trying to come up with a number that we think is, is reasonable, whether the USDA says it or not. I think the other thing is Argentine production. I mean, you know, you see private estimates, 25, 26. Uh, my thought process is it should be under 30, but I don't know if the USDA will take another big chunk like they did last month. You know, I'm expecting somewhere in that 30-ish range uh, as far as uh, soybean The average production. trade guess is 29 or 29 and change. Right, right. That's, that's pretty much where we're at. I think they could go below that potentially, but I don't know that they're going to do that right now. The one thing to remember about the uh, April report, it's it's historically, I'm not going to say it's a placeholder, but the May report's much bigger because in May you get your first look at the new crop first, balance yep, sheets. Yep. So the May report's a much bigger one. That's not to say there couldn't be a surprise on Tuesday. Uh, we did have some flash sales yesterday. These are not huge amounts, but old crop corn and old crop soybeans, both two unknown destinations. Is this China or are these not Chinese numbers? I was told these are not Chinese numbers. I mean, I've heard the same thing that they're not Chinese numbers, but I mean, unknown, it seems like has a pretty high significance uh, as far as turning it into does. China. It I does. mean, it's almost always turns into China. So, you know, I know that the uh, amounts and whatnot, they're, they're saying that they're in China, but I don't know. I'd be surprised, Joe, if ultimately they're not. Yeah, I would uh, be on the same page here. Uh, Argentina has a new soy dollar program. So Argentina has a million and one economic problems. They've got 
like 100% inflation. The government's running out of money. Uh, so they're trying to incentivize uh, farmers and exporters to sell product, essentially, because they hoard grains and oil seeds and meal as a hedge against inflation, which is rampant. Um, so they're not going to have, uh, they're going to be a net importer of soybeans this year to a significant degree from Brazil, but they're still going to crush the beans that they import and then they're going to export meal and oil. Um, I mean, this is going to put some additional supplies on the market, maybe short term. This is going to run through May 24th. I don't know that I see this as being a big deal. I really don't see it as being a big deal either. I mean, I, it's one thing I talked about quite a bit this winter, Joe, is that, you know, if you look at, for instance, uh, let's just take the March report. They took Argentine production down 8 million tons and imports up 8 million tons. Yeah, I don't know that everyone understands. I think, uh, or even knows it, but I mean, obviously they're huge, uh, usually 50% or more of the world soybean meal export program. They don't want to lose that status. And I think that uh, a year like this certainly puts them in peril. I think moving forward, a lot of what we, a lot of what we go have going on here in the U.S. Uh, certainly could uh, put that in peril as well, because if we're going to be crushing as many beans as what we're talking, I think we're probably going to get a little more active on the world front. But, you know, a lot of folks are saying that some of this uh, uh, excess, if you will, or lack out of Argentina is to be picked up by Brazil is, is a couple of the headlines I saw this week for as far as meal. So that's going to be very interesting as well. This, uh, I think it was the Rosario Grain Exchange in Argentina said this week that meal exports out of Argentina are going to be 20 million and Brazil, according to USDA, is going to export 21. So this will be, if, if that's correct, this will be the first time since 1998 that uh, Argentina is, is below Brazil in terms of meal exports. So lots of interesting uh, stuff here. Uh, Zelensky is in Poland. He's uh, looking for more money, apparently, and uh, there's nothing surprising about that. Uh, one thing that's is that is kind of surprising and interesting. So uh, Poland's ag minister resigned this week, and it's because the European Commission uh, decided to extend these duty-free imports of Ukrainian grain. So essentially, what happened is like, okay, Russia invades Ukraine, and uh, Ukraine can ship some but not all of their grain out of the black sea and they've been railing a bunch of it to europe and in europe they've got a glut of grain like in eastern europe and farmers there aren't happy about it it would be like you know say uh canada's at war with somebody and all of a sudden a bunch of canadian corn shows up in your backyard like is that good for your cash market no probably not so they're not happy about any of this but um uh grander scheme of things a lot of people are still calling for an escalation in the black sea uh this spring do you have any thoughts on that you know, I think that uh, that's the same type of thing I've heard as well. Um, a couple of the people that I talked to over there are essentially saying that they think corn production, uh, they don't know that they're going to plant near as much corn this year, yeah. even as what some people have forecasted. First of all, you know, fuel is still exorbitantly high, high highly priced. And, you know, I, I think that a big focus for them is going to be on the products that they use uh, as far as in-house. And so I don't know that any of your big export program products like corn are going to be planted in a large degree. So this huge world drop in production this year, which was bordering 70 million tons, you know, we're not going to drop that kind of production next year. Uh, but certainly, I don't know if people understand how many bushels that is, two and a half billion bushels. I mean, you're talking yeah. a ton of corn uh, that we've lost as far as production. And, and you can uh, point your finger at uh, Ukraine for a pretty decent little chunk of that. And I don't think that's coming back anytime soon. I don't have a story on this today, but what do you make of the uh, the big commercials exiting Russia? Do you think that's a, a big deal or not? I think for a moment, the wheat market thought it was a big deal, and now maybe not so much. 
You know, that's a good question. I mean, I'm the same way. At first, you're like, holy cow. But the same thing, you know, there's still going to be a powerhouse as far as world exports go yeah. on the wheat front. Uh, I mean, who, no matter who's at the trading desk, I think that they're still going to be exporting a ton of wheat. So I think it's a non-event ultimately, but uh, maybe it's a sign of, uh, you know, more unrest politically than anything, which uh, certainly could uh, play its role in the markets as well. Ethanol production was steady on the week and also flat versus the same week last year. Uh, if you look at accumulated EIA ethanol production data uh, for this marketing year and also USDA uh, grain crush data accumulated for this marketing year, we are not where we need to be in terms of ethanol production. USDA on the balance sheet says that ethanol production in the United States is going to decline by 1.5% year over year, yet the EIA data and the grain crush data would suggest that it's like a 3 to maybe even 5% decline. That's where we're at accumulated. So we could still uh, very well catch up and, and be where we need to be. But if you end up with a 3 or 4% decline, I mean, you're talking hundreds of millions of bushels. I mean, you're talking 100, 200 million bushels. Um, I, I mean, the ethanol margins are good in the central and eastern corn belt they're break even to maybe slightly negative out west uh, what do you make of this you know i think one thing here this week that we've heard of course with uh, crude oil jumping is that margins have improved of course yeah and so you know i think that if margins can continue to improve then maybe you uh, bridge some of this gap so uh, i guess uh, i'm a little more um oh i don't know friendly towards production moving mm -hmm. forward i think opec basically said you know what uh in the grand scheme of things, I guess my thought process, Joe, is that the OPEC was waiting on the SPR to get filled up here in the U.S. And they said, screw it. If you guys aren't going to do anything, uh, we're going to go ahead and cut production. Uh, you take prices up a little bit. That's actually good for ethanol. So I guess I don't have any big issue with it. I do. I am a little bit concerned as far as us, uh, you know, saying we were going to refill the SPR at that $70, $67 uh, level. We had multiple opportunities to do so. And now we're still sitting at historically low levels uh, at a time when we've got plenty of world unrest it concerns me a little bit where do you think the ethanol producer is in terms of coverage uh and corn like you look at the cftc reports you look at the commercial position it would indicate that they don't have all of the coverage in the world and the way the spreads act the way the basis acts would indicate a lot of the same do you think they're undercovered yeah, I do think that they're not as covered as what they want to be, you know, yeah. uh, and, and again, spreads uh, basis. Those are the things that led me to believe that last week's report was going to turn out like it did. And voila, mm -hmm. it actually did, which is kind of a shocker, to be honest with you. But uh, I, I do think that they're going to have to chase some corn around. And as you suggest, you get into the Western Corn Belt, that gets a little trickier when you already have been used to paying a buck $52 over in places that definitely cuts down on margins. So I think it's going to be a pretty interesting dynamic. I do think in my part of the world you know uh, we don't have a lot of ethanol plants right here close but in the high states i do think that some of your ethanol production is going to be impressive over the next few weeks with margins where they're at the farther west you get it's going to be tough yeah the market i think is attempting to pry corn from the farmer's hands through spreads and through basis but that's a task that's going to become really difficult you look at the calendar farmers going to be busy for a couple months so it's going to be uh, tricky to do Japan is going to block Chinese access to uh, microchip technology. So Japan is like joining the U.S. and the Netherlands and some other uh, big chip makers and, and essentially blocking Chinese access uh, to all of this. And of course, China is not happy. They're talking about, again, retaliation and 
all of that stuff. Um, a lot of this ties back to this CHIPS Act that Biden signed last year, which is going to bring more chip and semiconductor manufacturing back to the U.S., but it kind of cuts China out of uh, all of this or a lot of uh, U.S. technology when it comes to chips. A lot of this goes back to AI and military and things along those lines. But you know what? If they're going to buy a bunch of corn from us, I guess the, the tensions are fine, right? Yeah. I mean, when they need something, they can say yeah. they're mad at you all they want. But ultimately, yeah. I, I, every time I feel like Chinese, uh, Chinese uh, data, if you will, is sounds ominous. Uh, you've got to think that it's just them trying to buy something cheaper. So, you know, I agree with you. If they're still going to need something, they're going to go ahead and buy it. I, I think politically, there's still uh, there's a lot of concern, though. I mean, I don't know what China is going to do. I think as they shore up, you know, some of their supplies, I think that it concerns me that they may be preparing themselves for something a little more, uh, you know, uh, ominous as far as uh, what's going on in Taiwan. China's been awfully, awfully chirpy lately when it comes to just about everything. Everything the U.S. does, um, they have some sort of issue with it, and they've got to issue some sort of public statement. Uh, cattle market was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, live cattle were higher, feeder a little bit low, feeders a little bit lower yesterday. Cash trade, I think, was just light at 168. I mean, the market still looks pretty solid to me. It does. It looks solid to me. And I think right now, especially whenever you look at, uh, for instance, corn uh, struggling to rally, you know, you went up and hit some resistance levels here. It looks to me like it's going to be a, a hard thing to do to get corn to rally. Yeah. I, I do think in that environment, uh, your cattle market could uh, march on higher. I mean, we've mm -hmm. had uh, new highs set here lately. And obviously, uh, fat cattle, you know, I've talked about it many times. There's fundamentally, you can make a case for a lot of pretty good-sized numbers, but I think the Packers could be chasing hard over the next few weeks trying to get to uh, some of these June cattle. Outside markets here this morning, guys. U.S. dollars a little bit higher. Stock markets mixed. Uh, precious metals mixed. Crude oil is down 20 cents in the May WTI at 80.41. Pretty quiet. Uh, everybody have a wonderful weekend. Happy Easter. Matt, uh, thanks for joining me. All right, bud. You have a happy Easter as well.